0: We all want to share so I'll give you time as much as uh, as much time uh, as I can uh, for you to share so that it can sink in so I don't want to do just lecture uh, but I want you to really sink it very important uh, topic and it was not an easy uh, project it was a difficult project because you want to finish all four Gospels in eight weeks so each gospel take within two weeks i have to finish each gospel that's hard yeah so that's what we are going to do because we are going to see jesus and this year's theme is knowing christ and so i want to know christ jesus and all four gospels uh, talk about jesus and then I cannot go on forever, uh, for a whole year, so I just wanna give you, uh, not summary, but what is the core. Uh, Rather than summary, uh, I wanna give you the core of each gospel so that next time you read the gospel, you understand a little better. Because a lot of them, a lot of you probably don't know whether this is Mark's idea or Luke's idea or John's idea, most of you just will think that, oh yeah, that's the Bible. That's from uh, the Bible. That's the Word of God. You know it as a Word of God, but you don't really know it uh, from Mark's perspective or Luke's perspective. You don't do that kind of thing. So. That's the opportunity that we have right now, that you are going to look at Jesus from very particular perspective, depending on who uh, wrote it. So, uh, we are going to uh, do that. Jesus, uh, probably the most influential person in history. The influence was not always was not always good. sometimes very bad influence. In the name of Jesus, all kinds of evils were done and uh, all kinds of discrimination and all kinds of uh, injustice uh, uh, have been done uh, in the name of Jesus, too, in history. Uh, so uh, th- but there are tremendous positive influence too. There are so many people because of Jesus. They sacrifice their lives uh, to build up uh, uh, the, 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 the just society and then build up good uh, world. So there are so many. So in both ways. But one thing that that is clear is that he was the most influential person in history. And Christianity is founded upon. Uh, the name of Jesus, but it is hard to study this man Jesus, who lived two thousand years ago. How can you study uh, this man, uh, two thousand uh, who lived in two thousand years ago? So we don't look at Jesus only as an ancient person. We want uh, I think it's more than an ancient person. Uh, So luckily, uh, we have precious materials and the four Gospels. We have precious materials. Through that, we can study the glimpse of uh, Jesus Christ. So we thank God for leaving us these four precious Gospels to get to know Jesus. So there's no excuse not to read the Gospel. If you want to know Jesus Christ, we have to read the gospel. But when you read the gospel, probably you don't understand. Uh, Because they all look like the same. Uh, Three gospels are called synoptic gospels. Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Synoptic gospels. Synoptic meaning, very similar. Very similar. 90% of the story is, uh, they share uh, three gospels and John is a little bit different. So you can see a little bit difference of John uh, very easily, but these three Gospels, in what way are they different? We don't know. It's very hard to really uh, pinpoint how uh, different each Gospel. Long time ago, people thought that uh, these uh, Gospels were just uh, the story of Jesus. Uh, from the beginning uh, to the end. It's the story of Jesus. But later, they discovered, this wonderful, they discovered that, ah, each person had a very specific intention, purpose, and specific perspective. And we call it theology. And they, even though they write the same thing, the patterns are different. Language they use was different and the order was different. For example, uh, Matthew and Luke have Jesus' birth story, but Matthew's birth story and Luke's birth story are very different, radically different. Probably you don't even know that there's a difference between Matthew's birth story and Luke's birth story because it's just birth story, but they are very different. And Mark does not have birth story at all. It is from the adult. So, each gospel is very distinct uh, and a specific purpose that each gospel writer uh, uh, had. So, uh, we are going to study that uh, specific uh, perspective of each uh, gospel. Who is, so, uh, it's not really general description of Jesus' life. Very specific. Right? So, uh, who is Jesus? I Realize that it, was, it is not just our questions. Who is Jesus was not just our questions. Who is Jesus? That question was the questions of those people who met Jesus, who saw Jesus, who lived and, uh, together for three years. Even the disciples. They all raise this question, who is Jesus? They met this Jesus. Jesus was exactly the same as them, but radically different from them also. And so they wonder, who is this man? Uh, that, that is a question, is just not not just us, but question. Of those who saw Jesus physically who experienced Jesus teaching and healing and all kinds of things they also raised uh, this question so mark ex- all these four writers they met Jesus they experienced Jesus And they believed in Jesus, and they wanted to leave that belief that they had for the future generation. Uh, They wanted the future generation to experience the same thing as they experienced. We don't know exactly what they experienced. But somehow, it had profound impact on their thinking, their life, and their decisions. Profound impact on them. They wrote it, and even 2,000 years later, we see that profound impact. But at that time, when they were writing these Gospels, they... <laughs> Come on in You want to join here? Yeah. When they wrote the gospel, they had a tremendous impact uh, on uh, their experience with Jesus. So they wanted to leave that uh, experience uh, for the future generation. And then Mark was the first person who started this project? It's not Matthew who started first. It was Mark who started this process, this project. Then, before Mark wrote this gospel, Mark, what was it like? As soon as Jesus died and resurrected uh, and all that, What happened after, like uh, 30 years, 33 years, there was no New Testament or there was an Old Testament, Testament, but there was no New Testament. Then how did they, so there were disciples and the people who experienced Jesus. So right after Jesus is gone, what happened was, there were a lot of fragments. Uh, And then these fragments were not necessarily written. It was an oral tradition. People, you know, Jesus did this. And then there, Jesus met this man and then uh, talked with them. And then, and then they, uh, this happened. So, uh, kind of, uh, some of them were written. Some of them were written. But fragments, fragments. So, miracle stories. Storm stories healing stories, exorcism uh, stories, argument with uh, uh, leaders, controversies, uh, persecutions, rejections, and uh, Jesus' teachings, parables. And these were just scattered everywhere. Uh, it wasn't really together. It's all scattered. And the Mark was the first one who collected them all together and then wrote a one story of Jesus. Connecting all the miracles, teachings, and then all that, and then made one story from the beginning, uh, baptism to uh, the death and resurrection, to the end, the whole story. And then he called it Gospel. Gospel meaning good news. Evangelion, good news. So it became one literary style genre, the gospel. And then after Mark, then Matthew came and Luke came and John came. And they all took the form of uh Mark Mark's style they took the form style of all uh, Mark and they, but with their own agenda with their own perspective and theology they also wrote uh, these uh, gospels so we call it gospels. So when you look at Mark chapter 1 verse 1, uh, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The good news is a evangelion. that is, uh, uh, he called it gospel. Mark used used it seven times. John doesn't use it at all, but Mark used it uh, seven times. Okay, so no one uh, wrote their name. So we don't know author's name. Uh, Author's name came only uh, from the beginning of the second century. So like a hundred some years uh, that name was given. Oh, this is Mark. uh, Mark wrote this. And then Matthew wrote this, Luke wrote. They themselves did not uh, write uh, their uh, names. And uh, it was supposed to be heard rather than read with uh, your eyes. So it was, uh, so uh, today you're going to, you're going to hear a lot of, I'm going to read it, you're going to hear a lot of it uh, from. So uh, we're going to study gospel uh, mark today and uh, half of it and probably you didn't read it and if you don't read it then it's hard to get it but i'll try my best but even after you finish you go home read it again it will come alive and then next week read 8 to 16 five times and today you go back home uh, tomorrow to uh, one to eight uh, again uh, but today we'll just go uh, with this because this whole book is hard to summarize if you don't if you didn't read it and you you won't get the flow so I want you to read at one sitting not fragment uh, in fragment but at one city, like a story, just read it. It doesn't take that much uh, time. So I want you to do that. So I'm going to stop here for a while. I'm going to have uh, three discussions. I'm going to stop here for, uh, for a while. Uh, so this is a very uh, brief introduction. Um, I want you to share to get, uh, uh, with each other, who is Jesus to you? Uh, there's no a- a right answer. I'm not asking uh, for you to come up with the right theology In, uh, as a Christian, living your life as a Christian, who is Jesus to you, and what is important uh, to you, or who is Jesus to, to you? I mean it, does, it, it doesn't have to be profound philosophical answer. It's just share together who is Jesus to you? so uh, I mean what you're saying is very important too, and then you may uh, re, uh, use different language than Mark, Matthew, and uh, Luke, so that, that's okay. So to you, who is Jesus? Uh, I'm not going to give you that much time, it's uh, uh, just uh, about 10 minutes, uh, uh, go around and share together who is Jesus to you. Yeah. And you know, Who is Jesus? Anybody? Go ahead, <laughs> Progress too. Uh, for example, oh, Jesus is like he understands me. Understand my deepest darkness, and yet he's for me, always for me. Uh, that, that is a very comforting. that that Jesus uh, comes and understands even what I don't accept, even what I cannot accept and understand. And then, uh, so that that kind of relationship. So you relate to God uh, in that way. Uh, So, yeah, so there are many, many different uh, uh, ways to relate to Jesus. Okay, now, you need to understand background a little bit to understand the world that jesus came into what was the world like when jesus came uh, to this world so political uh situation the huge thing was hellenism hellenism uh, alexander the great defeated persia and conquered the whole area, 331 to 160 uh, some uh, BC, he controlled the whole area, from southern Russia to northern Africa, from Greece to India, he conquered everything. Uh, Even Israel was under uh, the the, uh, Greek uh, influence, uh, Greek uh, occupation in 331 uh, BC. Uh, so they were uh, governed and conquered uh, by uh, this uh, Greek. That is kind of uh, the world that they uh, lived in. And then that's the kind of world Jesus came. When Jesus came, now uh, later the Romans uh, took over. Uh, Romans took over. Uh, and then Roman, uh, Romans controlled Israel when jesus came but think about it what this does uh, what this does you know babylonian ca- captivity israel this is not the first time before babylon persia assyria these super countries came and conquered israel and at that time a lot of prophets prophesied jeremiah isaiah these people prophesied and then you know, why they were Uh, captivated simple their message was because you did not keep the law it is God's punishment because you did not live right it is God's punishment so that think about that's what that does to the psyche of uh, people at that time That because uh, you did not live right you're not moral. You're not a good person. That's why God punished you and then sent you into captivity. And this kind of thinking uh, kind of governed the minds of the people and their religion and everything. And another thing that came out from that kind of environment was messianic expectation some kind of messiah will come and will deliver us from this kind of political oppression. So then think about it. What kind of messiah would they have expected? What kind of messiah would they have expected? So, these are the, the, I mean there are a lot of other things, I cut down everything. just basic, the core of what happened and what that did. Uh, to the Israelites. So I want you to discuss together uh, how does your environment affect your thinking? And how do you think their environment affected Israelites? Their understanding of the Messiah and their religious sentiment. So what, try to restore uh, uh, what they were experiencing every day. So what kind of messianic expectation they had, what kind of religious sentiment uh, they had, uh, how they were affected. So I want you to discuss together uh, on that. But you do it out of fear or you do it out of love. Very different. Right? If you do it out of fear, uh, then it doesn't liberate you. If you do it out of love, then it disciplines you, it helps you, strengthens you, and all that, it's good. So keeping the law itself is not, uh, it's a problem. How you keep the law, right? Mm. How about others? it's one, fear of religion. The religion of fear, that governs. Uh, the early uh, Jewish religion. If I don't do this, God will punish me. That kind of religion is very oppressive. If you have that kind of religion, then you will live very oppressive life. Uh, If you don't do this, God will uh, strike you. This is scary to live like that. Jesus came to de- uh, liberate us from that. So religion of fear, not religion of love. So our religion has to be from religion of fear to religion of love that we had to continuously move towards. Uh, and But uh, during Jesus' time, the religion of fear was very strong because part of insecurity too. They were very insecure uh, because they were under uh, threat. When you have insecurity problem, the fear becomes a big problem. Religious fear becomes really a big problem because you're insecure. You don't have confidence. You're always worried. You're always nervous. You're always when God is gonna strike me kind of feeling. Uh, instead of oh God is always with me, God is always for me, God is all. That's why Saint Paul, Saint Paul said, "If God is for me, who is against me?" And he proclaimed that there's nothing that uh, separates me from the uh, love of God. And then he was saying all that. So, feeling living your life thinking that God is for me, now right? hmm. living your life. God is against, uh, feeling that God is against me. That's very different. When you feel that God is against me, you run away. That's why you don't become religious. Because you run away. And then forget about God. And then you live a kind of secular life. Uh, You know, that fear you want to forget. So uh, instead of living with fear and terror, they want to run away and live freely apart from God. Uh, because uh, that God of fear is too much for them to handle, so rather they uh, they want to forget that, and they live a secular life, and then for a while they can forget that. So it, it does a lot of uh, damage and harm. But when you experience, when you meet God of love, then you want to be more religious, you want to be more devotional, you want to be more spiritual, because you uh, uh, it is good. To be with God, and God uh, is for you. You understand that. So uh, even uh, repentance and all that, it doesn't come from guilt. It is true uh, repentance uh, that happens. So it uh, makes you a healthy person uh, rather than unhealthy uh, person. But during uh, Jesus' time, was quite unhealthy. Their religious sentiment was very unhealthy. And then Jesus saw that very clearly. And their unhealthy attitude brought unhealthy treatment to those who are supposed to be sinners. They oppressed each other. They uh, gave burdens to each other. And Jesus saw that very clearly. So it's a very unhealthy environment uh, they were uh, they, they, they were in uh, because of, uh, uh, uh the, the, the occupation of the bigger countries, and it did tremendously, a harmful psyche, it brought tremendously ha- harmful psyche to, uh, to uh, the nation, not just to few individuals, but to all of them collectively as a whole. So the, 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 that is, I mean, the religions can do either, Good or tremendous harm. Uh, I know that when I was uh, doing high school, high school ministry uh, in uh, TKBC, some of them uh, left the church because they couldn't take it anymore. Uh, that uh, uh, they were so scared uh, because they experienced uh, some uh, supernatural uh, things at that time. So uh, anyway. Uh, So that that was what's going on, what was going on uh, in uh, Jesus' time. Jesus saw that. Tremendous burden. Uh, Bad religion. Uh, Jesus saw that. Uh, And another thing is messianic expectation. Uh, So somebody is going to come, messiah will come, and then... uh, Deliver, deliver them from the oppression and what kind of messianic expectation would they have had? I mean I mentioned that, yeah. it's a super countries invading them, then you need super power to fight against. So it's like they're reminiscent of Moses uh, bringing uh, people out of Egypt, fighting against a uh, professionally trained Egyptian armies with a staff, old men, 80-year-old. <laughs> uh, with a staff, he goes there and then uh, delivers uh, them out of uh, the Egypt. So they had that kind of uh, expectation. And that kind of uh, mos- mosaic, messianic expectation was Samaritans. Samaritans had that. Mosaic Uh, expectation. That's why uh, for Samaritan, mountain was very important. Mount Sinai. That was very important. That's why when Jesus met Samaritan woman, uh, Jesus told him, not this mountain, nor in the temple, in your heart. With your heart, you worship God. That mountain is what, uh, what was important to Samaritans. But to Jewish people, what was important was David. During David's time they had a really the, the largest uh, territory they had they always loved David they it's like a Kennedy for uh, Americans you know always Kennedy you know, like David was uh, their hero there you know uh, and this David had uh, such a such a strong power uh, so uh, Jewish people had David uh, uh, kind of messianic expectation, very powerful political liberation, and this Jesus, he breaks the law. He does not keep Sabbath holy. Now they were very scared. If we don't keep the law, God will smash us. And this Jesus is Messiah, and not keeping Sabbath law, eating with sinners, and they don't wash their hands, and all kinds of things. No, this could not be the Messiah. And then, helplessly die on the cross? The Messiah who cannot save, save, save even himself can save us? This is ridiculous. In that kind of environment, Mark wanted to say, Jesus is Messiah. How difficult it must have been. Very countercultural message very countercultural message, message that Mark had to write. Because people the, 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 think of him as a, are you serious? You know, that, that's their attitude towards uh, this Mark. And in that environment, Mark was writing, this is a goodness, beginning of the goodness of Jesus Christ, God's son. That's hard to do it. And that's what Mark is doing. And we are going to study that. Now we are going to take a break for about five minutes, a washroom break. And I'm going to go into Mark 1 to 8. And we're going to read a lot of scripture uh, together. Okay? I was going to give you uh, a whole bunch of scripture and then let you find it, but it takes a little bit too much time, so uh, we are going to uh, work together uh, for this. So, okay, I gave you, uh, I paint a picture of uh, the time Jesus came and uh, how difficult it must have been uh, for Mark to say that Jesus was the Messiah and the Son of God. And then there was a lot of confusion about Jesus. Who is this man? Who is Jesus? Because he's not just one picture that you can fit him into. One expectation you can fit him into. He's too big for that. You know there are people like that. You cannot really say that this person is this. Because too big. Uh, and Jesus was uh, one of those. Uh, they could not fit Jesus into any one uh, image that uh, they had. They had a very difficult time. And Mark was the one who struggled with this question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? So when you uh, uh, look at, uh, okay, before this, before this, let me uh, briefly discuss about Mark. Who is Mark? Mark uh, is uh, probably he was uh, son of a rich woman. Uh, his father died early and then uh, the, the, he, his mother was rich uh, because uh, the 120 people gathered together at her mother's house and prayed together. Early Christians gathered together in Mark's uh, room. Uh, so they, they gathered to, so, uh, I mean, to have a house uh, that can accommodate 120 people, a uh, huge house. So uh, they, uh, uh, they lived well, so he was a rich, uh, grown, grown I mean, a rich family. Another incident is that uh, Mark was uh, Barnabas' cousin. Uh, so uh, they were related. Barnabas is the one who introduced Paul into Christian community. Paul was persecuting Christians, so they were scared. When he was converted, they were scared of Paul. But Barnabas was the one, he's okay now. And he brought uh, Paul into uh, Christian circle. And then first missionary journey, Paul, Barnabas, and Mark went together from Antioch. But Mark could not finish the mission. He dropped out in the middle of it. But he instead of coming back to uh, Antioch, he went to Jerusalem. So they left from Antioch, but they went to Jerusalem. And then some people say that, oh, Mark was sick in the, uh, in the midst of, uh, uh, during the mission trip, and he came back. I don't think so, because Paul was quite mad and marked. So when you look at uh, Paul's reaction, it wasn't just because he was sick that he came to uh, Jerusalem. He He did not like Paul's message. Paul was too radical. About circumcision, you don't need to do it. Dietary rule, you don't have to keep. All messages, these are identity markers. For Jew, Jewish people, and these are all Jews. So even uh, there were not many Gentiles at that time. Even if there were uh, Gentile convert, uh, converts, they ate separately uh, in the beginning. And then, but Paul didn't care. Uh, and then, so Mark did not like the uh, like Paul's uh, theology and message. So he went to Jerusalem, and who were at Jerusalem? All the apostles. 12 apostles were in Jerusalem, and he reported to uh, apostles about what Paul did. So they sent representative to Paul when they came back. So Paul was in big trouble uh, at that time. And but they, uh, they, uh, uh, they came and interviewed Paul, and they said, what you're say- uh, doing, what you're saying is nothing wrong. So they blessed him. And so second missionary journey, uh, Barnabas wanted to take Mark, And Paul said, no way. I'm not taking it. And then they had a big fight. The scripture says, big fight. (laughs) So it's kind of comforting, right? We fight too. (laughs) Those are big guys. They fight too, right? Uh, So, but they had a big fight, so they got separated. Barnabas uh, uh, took uh, Mark, and then uh, went uh, mission, separated uh, from uh, Paul. And then from that point on, Mark, instead of following Paul, he followed Peter. So he went everywhere uh, with Peter. And he got all the inside stories from Peter. And he wrote this. So people uh, uh, say, say that uh, Mark is a memoir of Peter. So all the inside stories uh, that, uh, you know, Satan kept behind me and all that is uh, Mark didn't know. As a Peter, who told uh, Mark, so he wrote that, that that's uh, Mark. So in this kind of uh, setting, I mean, later, Paul and uh, Mark they reconciled. So even uh, Paul uh, greeted uh, Mark and then uh, told the Colossians to accept him as a brother. So especially he uh, asked them to accept him and welcome him. In this kind of Setting. the important question to Mark was, who is Jesus? And then Gospel Mark is divided into two, and it's sharply divided at chapter 8. Sixteen chapters, but it's divided exactly at the middle, that chapter 8. From chapter 1 to chapter 8, the whole atmosphere is very different from chapter 8 to chapter 16. First 8 is like a very fast, immediately, you took us, immediately, immediately, immediately. It's like a, a gospel on steroids. <laughs> it's just going, 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 no uh, beating around the bush, just go, 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 kind of uh, very first uh, uh, part, uh, for 1 to 8. And then, right at the center, at chapter 8, this passage comes out. Uh, Uh, St. Simon. I was going to say St. Simon. (laughs) (laughs) So, you put on the slide. Okay. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. That is right at the center. Who do people say that I am? That's a big question in Mark. Who am I? Who is Jesus? That's a huge question. I mean, answer is already given in uh, chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 1, and then chapter 9, verse 11. I mean, chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 9 to 11. One, 1 says, The beginning of the goodness news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Already said it. And then, Uh, 1911 in those days jesus came from nazareth of galilee and was baptized by john in the jordan and just as he was coming up out of the water he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him and a voice came from heaven you are my son the beloved with you i am well pleased this is god who is saying that you are my son but that was so hard to accept, so hard to accept and you will see this struggle in the, throughout the whole Gospel of Mark. In chapter 1 to 8, Mark draws a very strong picture of Jesus. Jesus is the one who does miracles, healing, exorcism. And here, Mark paints a picture, 1 to 8, ultimate authority is on Jesus. That's what he's saying. And a very urgent, useless, 40 times, immediately, useless, meaning uh, in Greek, uh, immediately, 40 times. All the testament uh, put together, it's, it's the same number. He says, immediately. So when you look at 1, 21 to 24, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus' teaching had authority. Jesus' teaching and miracle, the healing, are not separate. Oh, there is a teaching, there is a healing. No. It's a, his teaching itself bring brought healing. Uh, and uh, once uh, uh, Jane Newton, who used to work uh, with us, she went to Boston to study counseling and then uh, once uh, he, she wrote uh, uh, me a uh, uh, letter, an email, and they said, Moksani, I learned a lot of counseling techniques here and there, uh, here in Boston, but I realized that teaching is healing. The Word of God is healing. That's what I experienced at St. Tim. All these techniques are not that important. What is important? Teaching. That teaching... Uh, then the word of God is uh, brings uh, healing. Jesus' teaching was that kind of. Jesus' teaching was not adding more knowledge to your brain. Jesus' t- teaching was not adding. Jesus' teaching was taking out, taking out pride, taking out darkness, and taking out. And just before the Bible says, James Cho uh, uh, shared his struggle with patients. These patients, you know, that uh, they they know already the symptom. They don't even tell him what symptoms are. They already know, that they, they diagnose themselves. And then they get all, all the information from Google. And then, uh, give me this medicine. <laughs> That's what they're, I know my disease, I know. But the, when he looks at it, there are all kinds of possibilities. But they already, so uh, real teaching is not adding more knowledge to your brain. Real teaching is taking out darkness, taking out Real teaching is unlearning, unlearning is a, a real learning uh, and then uh, that was like uh, Jesus' teaching and then the people were astounded at, at, at his teaching, <clears throat> behind that, what is the question, in the shadow, what is the, they were astounded. And behind it, the Bible doesn't say it, but behind it was the question. Was the question? Yeah. Who is this man? That's a question. Hidden. They were astounded, but deep in their heart, they were questioning. Who is this man? That's what they were asking. That's chapter 1. And then when you go to chapter 2, he healed a paralytic and told him that his sins were forgiven. And Mark indirectly entertained the idea of Jesus being able to uh, forgive, having the authority to forgive. And people responded in this way. Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? What is hidden question? Who is this man? Who says he can forgive? Who is this man who can forgive? Only when only God can forgive. On the Sabbath, the disciples plucked the head of grain. The Pharisees saw that and said, why do you break the Sabbath law? I mean the law here is a big thing. Still the question behind this reaction was who are you to break the Sabbath law? And there Mark gives the answer. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Mark is trying to deliver this message but more uh, uh, with questions. Who is this man? These things keep coming. Who is this man? Then disciples were amazed and astounded and hearing his wonderful messages and then, oh, 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 the, the miraculous uh, things they saw and then deep in their heart, who is this man? They were questioning. And their explicit, explicit question was comes out right in the middle of chapter 1 to 8 in chapter 4. When you look at chapter 4, listen. On that day when evening had come, He said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great gale arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind the sea obey him. Nature obeys him. He is a Lord of uh, Sabbath, and then he uh, teaches with uh, the authority. He exorcises demons. Who is this man that even nature obeys? This does not end here. It's just climax. In chapter uh, 1 to 8 chapters, this question continues. When he uh, healed the daughter of Jairus, the same thing happened. And immediately, the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. And in the synagogue, next chapter, Jesus taught them, and people said this, On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, "Where did this man get all this? What is the wisdom that has been given to him? What does uh, what deeds of power are being done by his hands?" That's chapter six. And then, question behind uh, hidden is, "Who is this man?" And Herod thinking that Jesus was John the Baptist, he said this, King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the Baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. So all over the place, they are very confused about this man Jesus. He's John the Baptist coming alive, or he's this or that. They all raise this question: who is this man? In the same chapter, you see this. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. You see this in all eight chapters. They were all amazed, including the disciples. They're amazed at miracles, teaching, exorcism. Surprised by the bold statements that I can forgive and Lord of the Sabbath. This question is a big question. But people don't know that. But strangely, there's another group other than God and the reader under the group who knows Jesus' identity. That was Satan and devil, evil spirits. We'll look at that. Chapter 1, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And chapter 3, whenever the, the unclean spirits saw him, They fell down before him and shouted, You are the Son of God. And chapter 5, And he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God to not torment me. They knew who Jesus was, but they wanted to have nothing to do with Jesus. They saw Jesus only as the one who had the power. That's how they define Jesus. But they don't have the whole picture of who Jesus was. Mark, in eight chapters, he describes the ultimate authority of Jesus. And yet, strange things are going on. When you look at chapter 8 to 16, very, very different picture. You will see next week. But even here, in chapter 1 to 8, whenever he performed miracles, he told them to be quiet. He told them to be quiet. We'll look at it. See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And chapter 3, Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and shouted, You are the Son of God. But he sternly ordered them not to make him known. After healing uh, healing the daughter of Jairus, he strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. And then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. In first eight chapters, Mark is saying that Jesus had, had the authority, but that's not the whole picture. That's not who Messiah was. And then he gives a different picture. Depending on the Messiahship, the discipleship changes. If you your Messiah, your God is only the powerful one, then your discipleship. become like that but when there's another picture of the messiahship the discipleship will change so the Lord that we know is not the one who has only authority and power there's something more that's what Mark was trying to say to the culture who was expecting the powerful messiah. Very countercultural message that Mark wants to portray. It is, uh, St. Uh, uh, Henry Nouwen said, it's, it's much more difficult to love than to have power. People rather want to have power than love. It is much uh, more difficult to do so. When you lose intimacy, then you seek power. That's what happens. When you don't know love, then you go out and seek power. And that brings corruption. And that's what people want. That's the kind of Messiah people wanted in Jesus' time. And Mark wants to give a different picture of the Messiah. So I want you to read chapter 1 to 8 again uh, when you go home. And then 8 to 16, read it and see what Mark is trying to say in the second half of his book. And that's what we are going to study next week. Any question? I think I cover all of it. So yeah, OK. So if there is no question, let's pray. Who is Jesus to me, O Lord? Who is God to me? What does God want from us and from me? Help us, O Lord, seriously question this. And what controls me, what governs me? Help us, O Lord, to know clearly through your teaching, through the Gospel Mark, guide us, O Lord. Mark, with passion and desire, he left this writing to us. Help us, O Lord, to listen very carefully and seriously so that we can understand the heart of Mark. The experience that he had with Jesus. Help us, O Lord, to learn who Jesus is through his testimony. We thank you for giving us, leaving us, this precious book, wonderful book to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.